after this, after what? After Jesus just showed everybody, the temple is now mobile. I'm the temple. And everybody went, oh my. And he goes, I'm also a new priest, a higher priest. And they're like, after this, they went out and he saw Levi and said, wait, where's Levi? You think Levi was in his house watching some Netflix? After this, he went out and saw a tax collector. After what? After the, the, the big healing, right? Guys, if Jesus walked out of the house, it was after, right? Who was crowding the house so much that they couldn't get in? They couldn't even get close to Jesus. But there were so many people outside, those four people had to get up on the roof. What kinds of people you think would be the people that were told, get out of here, you scumbag. You're not getting in here. I don't want you next to me. I don't even want you touching me. The tax collectors and the sinners and the prostitutes. They're the ones that are standing outside the house with the six heads in the window trying to get just one word of Jesus. They're in the doors. So when Jesus walks out, who does he see? All the people that aren't allowed inside because all the Pharisees and scribes and disciples are inside. All the scumbags are outside. Jesus walks out and he sees Levi and he says, you follow me. And Levi says, what has he just done to Levi? What do those words mean to Levi? I think, that you're I think you're worth it. You're not a dirt bag. You're not a loser. You're not an untouchable. I think you have what it takes to be like me and I want you to follow me. After Levi stopped crying and wiped out all the tears out of his eyes and he couldn't believe that he's finally been accepted. What does he do? What does he do? He throws a party. Now the question is, why does he throw a huge feast and invite everybody and they come? Nobody should come to this party. He's a dirtbag tax collector. He's a disciple of the guy who just made oh, Thank you. He's a disciple now of the guy who just forgave sins, makes someone walk, and basically convinced everybody present that God had given him special authority to do these things. Absolutely. Do you realize how cool the Bible is when you take out all the man-made stuff? Levi throws him this great feast and guess who's there? Well, it's the same people who were in the previous story that happened five minutes ago. Duh. And I don't think the priests, I'm sorry, I don't think the Pharisees and the Torah teachers, why did Levi make a great feast for Jesus? For choosing him as a disciple? Maybe. For implying that even a Jewish tax collector was worthy? Maybe but I have a feeling that the feast was to celebrate a new teaching that was confirmed by God himself. They all got to witness a miracle. Do you know how many miracles happened in Levi's lifetime? Probably that one that he'd ever seen. Why are the Pharisees and the Torah teachers there? They literally just saw something that they could not explain. It had absolutely made no sense whatsoever. And they're waiting to see what else was going to happen. I'd go. I would absolutely go. Okay. So, um, he possessed the power to forgive on behalf of God. 
Now tell me, if we keep reading, what's the next chapter heading that should be thrown out and if we would just read it, and they said to him, who said to him? The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees, the Prushim. But yours eat and drink. And Jesus said to them, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? <laughs> okay. They just said to Jesus, okay, okay, look. Pharisees are fasting. What does fasting mean? They're not eating. They're fasting. Look at John's disciples. Didn't you say you were a fan of John, Yeshua, Jesus? Oh yeah, he's my cousin. Well, even John's disciples fast. How come your disciples don't fast? In other words, what's wrong with you? They're already trying to figure out how Jesus is a fraud, how there's no way Jesus could have done what just happened or appeared to be a trick. And so they're trying to figure out how to invalidate Jesus. And listen to how our Jewish rabbi is absolutely Jewish. How does he answer their question? With another question. How can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as the bridegroom is with them, they cannot fast. But the time is coming when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast in that day. This is incredible. And then after that, we get these two pictures that Jesus uses and I have never, ever heard anyone give me an interpretation of the meaning of no one sews a piece of new cloth on an old garment. If he does, the new piece will tear away from the old, making a worse tear. Well, what does that mean? Uh, and I get every kind of teaching I, you can imagine. And then Jesus, that's not enough. So Jesus says, and no one puts new wine in old wineskins. <laughs> if he does, it'll burst the wineskins and the wine will be lost. But instead you put new wine in new wineskins. And everybody goes, amazing. And, and Americans are like, huh? <laughs> what? Something about everybody's thirsty and clothes are being torn open or something. I don't know. Let me tell you something. Luke mentions tearing off a piece of new garment and putting it on an old garment. Now, what's the consequence of doing that? Did you think about what happens to the new garment when you take a piece of cloth from a new garment? Can you imagine getting a $200 Bugatti shirt from an Italian tailor, handmade for you, and somebody goes, cool, um, can I see your sleeve here? Whack! It just, what? Uh, oh, I got, a, I got a pair of uh, Wranglers over here. I thought that would be a cool patch. First of all, you'd kill them. It's a $200 shirt. Look what you, what'd you do to my new shirt? You ruined it. How is that going to fix the old pair of pants? In fact, it's going to even be worse for the old pair of pants. Why? Because that new cloth hasn't shrunk yet. So when you put that patch on, and then you wash it and it dries, it's gonna shrink and pull away and make that tear in the old pair of pants even worse. But what happened to the new shirt? You screwed up my shirt. I got nothing to patch you now. It's all... So you end up making a hole in both and both get ruined when you try to apply this to that. Okay, that's, that's the picture Jesus gives us. So listen to this. Um, this idea has to be kind of imposed on what the Pharisees uh, question was to Jesus. They observe fasts and your disciples don't. What's wrong with you? 
okay? Let's break it down and figure out what in the world Jesus meant by saying that. It would seem like Jesus' disciples ought to fast, which means in Hebrew, you would say afflict their souls. That's, that's what fasting means, to afflict their souls. It's an outward expression of deep mourning for an incumbent disaster, something bad that's gonna happen. Possibly a bride and a groom might fast on their wedding day, but only if they knew that someone had just been sentenced to death, let's say in their family, they might. Otherwise, can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? In other words, are you serious right now, Jesus says, in perfect Hebrew fashion. He does the New York, you gotta be kidding me over here. Are you serious? We're at a party celebrating what? God has just done something unbelievable. He changed 2,000 years of Torah teaching and, and lifestyle and he changed that today and he, and he gave the evidence with a miracle. JT. Could, could it also be like they don't fast because like Jesus is the bread like, and he's like... On kind of a spiritual figurative meaning, I think that's really cool. Like how can we fast? He's the bread. He's always with us and you're telling us to, to not eat of the bread when he's walking around with us? Yeah, I like that too. Jesus says, we're celebrating here. This is, this is God doing something unbelievable. Something Jesus has been trying to work into and teach the crowds this whole time that he's started his ministry. And these naysayers come along. And can you imagine in the middle of JT's wedding? They've just toasted the best man gave the toast and the music starts playing and everybody gets out on the dance floor and I walk in and I say JT and Lucy why aren't y'all sad you're like okay Mr. Dean you're crazy what are you talking about why why aren't you mourning why aren't you fasting you shame on you put that pie down and put that drink down and you with the whole eyes heavy thing put that down and you with your plate this is a wedding. You ought to be sad. And Jesus is like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. No one observes a fast of affliction in the middle of a joyous celebration. If you do, you get a group full of joyful, happy, gourmet food stuffed people trying to appear to be sad and afflicted and hungry. And it destroys the integrity of the fast. In other words, Jesus says, that doesn't even make sense. Why would we be sad in the middle of a celebration? That's what Matthew Levi is doing. He's celebrating God's goodness. And you want us to be sad? Do you know how out of place that is? It's about as out of place as a, a patch from a new shirt on an old garment. You want to know how out of place that is? It's so out of place, it ruins both. Pretty good picture to get these guys to shut up and leave. If you want to be sad and go fast, then leave. Try to make us fast in the middle of a party. Are you kidding me? Now, second parable is like the first one. No one takes new wine, puts it into old wine skids. No one observes a fast of, of, of this affliction and asceticism in the middle of a celebration. If he does, the new wine will burst the old wine skins and it'll be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. Mark says, the wine will be destroyed as well. My question to you is, what's the wine? 
I think you're exactly right. I bless God for that. He gave that to you. The wine represents the joy. If I put new wine, new joy, where's the new joy from? Oh yeah, Peter's house, the paralytic. We got all this new joy and I'm going to put it into these old, decrepit, sort of already expanded and can't expand anymore kind of stuffy people. I put that new wine in there and it bursts it. The poor old guy that's always done something that way. That's just the way we always do it. The wine's destroyed, and so is the, the person. That joy is gone for them and, and for us. What they're, if you og obligate people who are at the height of a thrilling occasion to become sad and lament, how great would their sadness truly be? I think what they're asking Jesus to do would be a contradiction, the highest degree, a true paradox. And it would destroy everything Jesus has been working to, to build. If new wine, like Dawson said, is the celebration that God is bringing about new changes, new things, it belongs in its proper context. And now is the time to celebrate. But Jesus says, pretty soon the bridegroom will be taken away. What does that refer to? Yeah, him being turned over to the Gentiles, his death. Jesus says, let dancers dance. Let singers sing. Let God do his thing and welcome it and be glad. So he, wants to he wants to celebrate. I think Jesus is like, this was awesome because Jesus doesn't do miracles. Jesus felt like the power of God was with him to heal. I don't know what that feels like. Maybe one day God will give you or me that. All of a sudden I go, I think I can heal you. What? I have stage four cancer. I know, but I'm, can I pray for you? Could you imagine? And then the, she comes back and says, it's gone. You healed me. Like, did I do that? No. But wouldn't that be cool? Oh my gosh. Here's what he says. No one after drinking the old wine wants new. For the person says the old wine is good enough. That's how Jesus ends it. The old wine is good enough. The way we've always celebrated, the, the joy we've always had, it's good enough for me. I don't need all this new joy, this new and Jesus is like, dang it. So here's what he says. This is kind of my version of what Jesus says. You heard the claim. You heard me say, son, your sins are forgiven. This is what he's telling the Pharisees and the Torah teachers. You heard it and you doubted with good reason. You doubted and the only thing in the world that would make you change your mind would be the impossible, a miracle. You wouldn't believe my words unless God himself told you they were true. And you know what? He did. God backed up my teaching about forgiveness with a miracle and you saw it. Then you ate at Levy's house. You saw his backstabbing, betrayal-ridden friends eating and drinking and making merry because they found belonging and you didn't like it. And so now you try to put a stop to the party and the, the celebration that God himself is making a change. You don't want my new wine. You don't need my new wine for no one after drinking the old wine desires new for he says the old is good enough. So you know what? There's the door. Don't let it hit you on the way out. I think that's the kind of teacher Jesus was. I don't need your approval. I'm me, after all. Savior of the world. Kind of cool, huh? Bless God for that.